Oh, well, um, we could have started at the cereal bit, honestly. I think that would have been a fine place to start. You want to talk about how that cereal that we got for free is, like, just sugar? I mean, all cereals are. Yes. <laughs> implications of fantastical situations i'm and you know finance stuff i'm liz <laughs> i'm damon i'm dan and i'm gonna give that one i'm gonna chalk that one up in the win column that's like a yeah. that's like a wimbly yeah so for those who score at home i think it's two to four Dude, remember in episode four when we were talking about how like you nailed it you got it done like that's the one we're gonna use forever that's two episodes ago. I know. I <laughs> yeah, gotta. We didn't do that thing. Write that down. I think. I was. I was really thinking to myself as we sat down to record. I was like, man, I really wish I had brought a pen and paper over here. But I was like, they're gonna make fun of me if I write down notes about how I want to read. No. Yes. <laughs> I just want to be very clear. <laughs> but also, look at what we're doing. What? Like, this isn't a precision instrument here. They say yeah. holding beer. <laughs> to our beers. What are we talking about this weekend? Yeah, Dan. Uh, Parks and Rec. Specifically, there's a couple of things we can talk about in Parks and Rec, but specifically, we're going to talk about Ron Swanson and how wealthy is Ron Swanson reasonably. Because in season, I want to say six. Yeah, it's season late, six. Yeah. It's season six. He goes to a lawyer to get an estate plan, and like him and the lawyer and Ben like freak out about how wealthy he is. <laughs> So I just wanted to do a little analysis based on what we know about Ron Swanson to see if that's semi-reasonable and what that number might be. All right. Uh, let's talk our familiarity. Dan, you want to start? Uh, sure, yeah. Oh, no, actually. It's what I've learned. No, I, don't, I mean, I will start, but like, what I'm learning is I always make you guys start, and I liked being that safe place where I didn't have... I, you did get this look of fear over yeah. your face. <laughs> Me? Well, there's, so there's this behavioral finance term called anchoring. Which is when someone throws out a number. Oh, is this people, a Jack Donaghy move? N- no, it's just a behavioral finance thing. Although it does work in negotiations. Where you throw out a number, people just make all their guesses like relative to that. So if I told you, like, hey, how hot do you think it is outside? Zero to 10,000 degrees. You're much more likely to go higher than you normally would because I said 10,000 degrees. And you feel like you should go higher to, like, oh. make me seem less stupid. And just, like, whatever. That's interesting. So whenever you guys go, I can be like, well, there are six, and I'm probably a little bit more, um, a little bit less, or I can figure it. But now I just have to, like, set a bar. Yeah, because normally so, it's me setting the bar, and I feel like, it's not impressive. <laughs> so on a scale from one to 300,000, where, where are you on you are? Well, I was going to say a six, but I'm now I'm going, no, um, probably say maybe a seven. Okay. Uh, that might be a little high. Six or seven. Um... Parks and Rec is one of those, like, Parks and Rec is one of those, like, you know, I love just having it in the background. It's a very familiar show. So I've probably, I've definitely seen the whole thing front to back probably twice. And then I've seen whatever your terminology was last time. Y number Z times, where I've seen a lot of the rest of it a number of times. But I cannot step to my sister. My sister is a Parks and Rec, like, fiend. So I know to, like, stay in my place. So no part of that surprises me. Yes. We, she dragged Allison, me to a... I hope you're listening to this podcast. 
You can email us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com to just prove it. Um, so we haven't released our first one yet. We're doing that, I think, today or tomorrow. But I will update you on as these people email us. I just want to be very clear. Like, this isn't going to be a throwaway joke. I will call these people out. We just don't have it yet. Um, but yeah, no, she took me to a Parks and Rec trivia once. And I just sat there with my thumb up my butt while she, like... Kicked some ass and took some names. Man, so, if we do future episodes, we should have her on. I was about to say, so if we do another Parks and Rec, we will bring her on as a, a guest bird, but yes. there you go. Uh, I'm going to go pretty similarly. Uh, I have probably watched the whole series twice, um, uh, and it is kind of like a, a comfort show Yeah. Uh, in these trying times we live in. These trying times. It is nice to... Uh, watch something so sincere we were talking about that before there's this like resurgence of this is a way off topic but there's this like resurgence of sincerity in tv shows and media that we consume hmm. where like the the last like big movement of like attitude that shows and media and books and everything all had was like this like nihilism and like f the world everything the dystopian everything yeah and the like nobody giving a crap about anybody else or like being actively mean as like a source of comedy and now with like shows like like 30 rock to some extent but more like parks and rec and like community where like all these um uh the people in it like they might be antagonistic to each other sometimes but they all love each other and they're all working towards something for the betterment of themselves or everyone else and like I think Parks and Rec is, like, the epitome of that. Like, Leslie in general. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing their best. Everybody, even Ron. Yep. But anyway, sorry. I cut you off. No, I was done. I said eight. Or, you say... What did you say? I said whatever Dan said. I said six to seven. (laughs) Six to seven. That's what I said. Okay. So, I'll I'll put a stake in the ground and go 6.5. Okay. All right. I still stay with Dan. Um, I've been a 30 Rock lady more than a Parks and Rec person. I love 30 Rock. So, I love Parks and Rec. Respect to Parks and Rec, 30 Rock is my jam. Right? So at 30 Rock, I would give it, like, a way higher number, but Parks and Rec, I've sort of just let wash over me. Fair. As, like, a comfort show. But, like, if you asked me what season I was watching when I was watching an episode, I would be able to tell you if it was the first one or not the first one. Well, that's because the first yeah. one is kind of rough. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, like, uh, uh, I'd probably say I'm, like, a four because I know all the characters pretty well and, like, I can quote some stuff, and, like, my favorite quote is from, like, uh, not part of the show. I don't know that it actually was in the show, where, like, um, John Raffio and uh, his sister are, like, trying to not get seen at their own funeral. Yeah. <laughs> don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> ben Schwartz, apparently, I listened to another podcast he was on, apparently they gave him John Raffio's tombstone. Oh, and yeah. he lives in, like, a tiny New York apartment. <laughs> So there's just, like, this massive tombstone in his, like, one-bedroom apartment in New what York. Do you do with that? Gi- it's like, I'll never get rid of it. I love it too much. But at the same time, I weirdly have a giant tombstone in my one-bedroom apartment. Get, like, a twin bed. And, like, and, like girls like, come over, and it's kind of like, yeah, so there's a tombstone. Cool, 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 cool. From when I was on television. Oh, I mean, yeah, that still works. Don't get me wrong, but... It's not a hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> talk about Ron Swanson. So this is the most mathy episode we've done in a oh, while. Oh, yes! So this is going to kind of be like our first one, which I felt like I did a little too mathy, so I need you guys to like 
reel me in when you're like, yeah, boring, get to the point. Oh, I actually don't feel like, I feel like our first episode, I really liked the math parts best. Alright, well. The part I like least was where Jimmy Fallon all over You it. can't see the spreadsheet from where you're sitting, though. Is it There's ridiculous? a lot of math. <laughs> I've seen both spreadsheets, and this is, like. It's an impressive spreadsheet, but the reason is, <laughs> I had to make a timeline. Oh. I see a, a, a field marked age, and a number with a single digit in it, so. Good lord, how did you, okay, It's not on. my fault, though, because, so, I, 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 you know, read up and remembered and did whatever I needed to do, everything about Ron Swanson, and the reason the age starts in the single digits is because we know, and they say, that he starts running the floor of a sheet metal factory at nine years old. <laughs> so, if we're gonna figure out how wealthy he is, we need to start when he starts making money. So, broadly, okay. here's what I did. <laughs> I figured out how much money he was making from the age he started making money through when... Present day. Like no, actually, the... through when he goes to the lawyer, which is yeah, 2011, yeah. which was present day when it was being filmed. Anyway, sure. whatever. Point is, so from his age, I actually started it at seven, and I'll explain that, through age... <laughs> well, it's not his, my fault. That's when he started making money. This goes all the way to the top. Through age 53, I okay. figured out his salary... Then I estimated how much I think he could save, and then I figured out, okay, if he made X and he, you know, spent Y, then he has Z left over, so then I pulled the price of gold in every one of those years to figure out how much <laughs> ounces he could buy Holy crap. with the money he has left over, then I figured out how much gold he had, and then I times it by 2011 prices. Can we, can Did we Did you put... cost market average, like, buying into the... <laughs> Excuse me. No, I did not. I just did it once per year. But. I would like, can we put that, your your table in the show notes? I don't know how you feel about that. We can I can. I'm afraid because I'm sure someone's going to find something wrong. Oh, and, like, of course. Me. But I just want people to see I will put it on there, though. <coughs> Thank you. I just want to make that easy for us to cut out. Thank you. It's not that bad. We're not going to cut that out, are we? Probably not. <laughs> um, Every time that they declare they want something cut, I'm like, nah. But yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm okay putting it in there. I just... Come on, guys. We're all having fun here. All right? That's all I'm going to say. Just, Listeners, just, be just nice, everybody be cool. Be nice we're, to Dan. He's doing this because he loves it. You get, too mad, you get too mean to me, and we'll stop doing it. We'll yeah, take we'll your take toy it away. <laughs> we're all on the same rock, just spinning around through space. Nobody, like, knows, exactly. nobody knows nothing. Okay. So, he started running a sheet metal factory at the age of nine. Sorry, <laughs> running the floor of. Right. So, that's when he starts making real money. But we're actually going to start at age seven, because he says he makes his first chair at five. Uh, and we know he sells his woodworking because he sells at table one time. Uh-huh. So I talked to our friend Jaya. Jaya is an excellent woodworker. Um, Jaya, you better be listening. And if so, Jaya, email us at makebloodmoneypodcast at gmail.com and then fight us. We haven't done the fight us in a while. I did that last episode. I make sure I get it in. Okay. I assume it's going to be Nick Offerman this time, but we'll see. But I no, I can't fight, fight him. him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a losing us. battle. Maybe, maybe Megan Mullally. I could maybe. No, I don't think I can. No, that's her. not a good I'd, move. I'd crumble the dust. <laughs> so anyway, um, Jayat said he could make one table about every four months. No offense to Jayat. He's no Nick Offerman, a.k.a. Ron Swanson. Fight us, Jayat. So I'm going to say that Ron made a piece Every two months? Sure. He sells that table for $500, so we're going to assume $500 a piece, one every two months, and he makes 10% profit. Because we're going to assume he's not making a ton of profit, but, you know, he does make some profit above and beyond the cost of the wood. So he's doing that seven and eight, and we actually have him doing that his whole career. 
basically. Now, why was your what was your designation between starting at five and starting at seven then? Because it took him a while to I sell his first You're time. assuming that a five-year-old made a shitty table? Yeah, <laughs> I just, okay. not, actually, not a five-year-old, although yes, also a five-year-old. <laughs> I assume your first few are maybe not... So he makes a chair and then smashes it for Tom's Bistro because it's... Well, that one's because it's too perfect. But, like, we know he won't sell it. <laughs> he literally says it's too perfect. It looks machine-made and then he smashes it. But we know he's not going to sell a bad product. I mean, he's Ron okay. Swanson. So I'm assuming it took him a while to get to something he felt comfortable selling. Okay. A good table, if you will. Okay. Which is a joke because then when he sells it, it's the sign on it is good table, $500. <laughs> good table. So anyway. Um, so we have that. Then at, now, I'm going to say all of these in $2017, but I did go back and take inflation out of them. So just keep that in mind for everybody. So this is like the already inflated number. So yeah, so basically at in 1969, when he was nine years old, he started as the sheet metal and running the floor, I gave him 75% of the average. So the sheet metal salaries go from like zero to 100%. So 100% is the guy, the sheet metal guy who's making the most money possible and 0% is like the entry level guy who's not making that much. I gave him 75%. Okay. Because he's running, running the floor. The floor. And he's um, Ron Swanson, so he's, he's doing Swanson. a damn good job. Exactly. Um, <laughs> he's probably got a little baby mustache. And I pulled this... Out. Yeah, exactly. I pulled this from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which I'm hopefully saying right, because I listened to our first episode, and I realized every time I tried to say it, I was like, Bureau of Labor Statistics. So... You have a couple beers in. Yeah, I, well, I am yeah. again now, and this is the time we need to say it, so... I'm going to say it this one time. All the salary information you're going to hear was pulled from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Delicious. Great. That ASMR stuff. Uh, That's good uh, mouth sounds. Good mouth. <laughs> so, he's making $62,000, give or take, uh, starting at nine. Again, that's in current day's dollars, but I'm just telling you what sheet metal factory workers make. He's Ron Swanson, wow. for God's sakes. Good jobs is why we miss him so much. Exactly. So, he makes that for a few years. Then at 12, he makes a little bit more because he works at the tannery part-time, which he mentions because he tries to work the tannery and the sheet metal factory. And that's when we get our gem, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one, one thing. thing. Um, so then we that. bring it back down in 73 uh, to just the sheet metal, because that's what he decides. Then I take four years off during college, and we assume he pays for college out in of cash. pocket with the money he's already made. So we take that out of his supply, which, by the way, college now, granted this is inflation adjusted, but college was 3100 Sixty-seven dollars in nineteen seventy-nine. So anybody who's not a millennial, wait, that's wait, inflation that's adjusted? adjusted. No, that's like oh, what I, okay. that's what it was in those dollars. So oh. I didn't inflation adjust it, but I can tell you right now, anybody who's not a millennial who's listening who's like, well, yeah, it wasn't as much back then. You go to hell. We're fine. Yeah. You go We're to hell fine. and you die. <laughs> I'm buried in student loans. Yeah, amen. Anyway, so then we have him starting after college. He actually makes less money because we have him starting as an analyst in the Parks and Rec department. We assume he makes a little bit less and just kind of works his way up to director because maybe money's not the most important thing to him. Defunding government programs are. <laughs> I mean, at 22, he has a nice little nest egg built up. Yeah. You don't know that. Well, but yeah, you're right. I can do basic math. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Buried in the woods. <laughs> yes. Um, so then he does that, we're going to say, till 90 when he becomes 
assistant director, and then we're going to give him about 80%. Oh, 90 the year. 90, okay. 90 the year. 1990 the year. So he, he's assistant director for, or sorry, he's an analyst, we assume, for like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So like eight years. Becomes assistant director, making 80% of what he's eventually going to make, and then I just gradually increased it till 2003 when he becomes director. So I basically just took between 100% and 80% and just gave him an equal split every year up till he, when he becomes director. And then he's director. Um, we know he's director for six years before the season. This, the series starts in 2009. And then two more years. So, so basically he's director from 03 to 2011. Okay. And I might have lied. It's actually 2013. It looks like that he needs to be a lawyer. So okay. my apologies, everyone. A couple extra um, years. A couple extra years. Not a huge deal. So, that's most of it. The only other thing we have to add in, he's also Duke Silver. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. That smooth... That smooth jazz. Oh, baby. Duke Silver. So, what we added here... But that was never about the money. That was never no, about the money. It was always about the jazz. But we do assume, we know he performs the second Thursday of every month. They okay. say that somewhere. I don't mm-hmm. know. I found that on the wiki. There's like a poster or something. So we're going to assume $150 a gig starting at 2000 because his first album comes out in 04. So I'm going to assume he had to do playing some gigs for four-ish years before he came out for an album. So a lot of this is speculative, but I feel like the assumptions aren't crazy. Yeah, it takes $10,000 to become a master or something. Right. So, right. so we're going to assume 150 every month for his gigs from 2000 on because we know he's still doing Duke Silver. Then we add... In 04, 07, and 09, we add that he sells a thousand copies of a CD or his album or whatever, because those are the three times his album comes out for $5 a copy. We'll assume he sells a hundred copies every other year. Sure. Just okay. He's got like a pretty sizable family, right. right? Yeah. Like his, uh, Diane gets threatened within an inch of her life when she, he like dedicates a song to her. So oh, yeah. you gotta assume a lot of the middle aged women in the area are, are into him. That's a, it's a good crowd of people. So again, it's ballpark, but we're not talking a ton of money one way or the other. And then I added a little bit for streaming and Spotify starting in 2008 when Spotify started. Why? Because I was That's bored at work one day and why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got all that added in. Those are all of his incomes. So it looks like kind of a peak income of in 2013 of like 72. And that's in today's dollars. So honestly, he made more as a sheet metal than he say, did as a Parks and Rec director. I was expecting to be, I guess, public service. So Yeah. Because that includes Duke Silver income and woodworking income. Well, oh. wages didn't keep pace with inflation, so it always looked like he was making more money, even though he wasn't really. Right. So, so anyway... Go on. That's the salary stuff. Any, like, concerns or... No, right now I feel like I'm pretty clear that there's a boatload of money we're about to be talking about. Because how much are we going to talk about next? How much he could save? Yep. Great. So. What? That superfluous spender, Ron Swanson. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> so, this is where the biggest estimation comes in, right? Because, I don't know. But... A lot of people live by this rule called the 50-30-20 rule. Right. Yeah. Which is 50% of your expenses on needs, so, you know, your rent or your mortgage, your groceries, your phone bill, whatever. 30% on wants, um, so, you know, going to concerts and bars and dining out, whatever, and 20% savings, which includes your retirement savings, so it's not just like 20% into the bank account. But the point is, 
That's what a lot of people live by, or try to live by, and it's not a bad rule. There's a good book on that by Elizabeth Warren, yeah, actually. Yeah, her and her uh, daughter. Mm-hmm. They read it together, because her daughter was a financial advisor, or is a financial advisor or something. And yeah. Again, for those of you who don't remember, I'm a CFA, I'm a financial coach, so I work with people about their finances a lot, and it's something we sometimes use. But this is Ron Swanson. At one point when he's getting audited, they figure out that he spent $40 on clothes in the last five years. <laughs> So, I'm going to assume he saves 80% until college because he's he, living at home, living at home mm-hmm. presumably, because we know his dad drops him off at college, so presumably he's living at home, and then 60% thereafter, which might honestly still be kind of superfluous for how much he spends. But I figure saving 60% of your income, pretty solid, especially because there's a community out there called the FIRE community. Um, he does like a good steak. Yes, that's kind of what I figured. And Lagan Moulin is not cheap, and you know he yeah he buys a ton of food. So, but there's a thing out there called the Fire Community. Um, financial independence, retire early is their thing. Yeah. And like they a lot of them trying to save fifty percent of their income. So we're gonna assume Ron goes a little bit better off than that, especially living in a low cost of living area. Blah 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 blah. I could see that. But yeah, that's about what we're at. So then we inflate both. We de-inflate, I guess, really, both the salary and the expenses and get down to what he can save every year. Um, and then I pulled the price of gold, like I mentioned, in every year um, between then and now, which is just available in Excel tables, and figured out how many ounces he could buy in any given year. So this is a total guess, but anybody want to guess how many ounces of gold he's able to acquire by the year 2013? Oh, man, I don't have any frame of reference for gold. Can you give us, like, I need a number to start with. Like, what's gold? Like, what does gold go for now? Yeah, tell us that. Great. That's a good question. Or, so, like, whatever the most recent Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have 2013. Okay. It's a little higher now. Gold went for $1,415 an ounce. Whoa! In 2013. Saving 60% for... How long have you been working at this point? 30... He's 53 and he started at 7. So <laughs> it would be like... 44 years. Yeah, 45 years. It's actually 46. I think we all fucked that up, but... Math! The idea is 46 years. Okay. Uh... But again, gold prices were not... They are actually pretty elevated in 2013 okay. compared to a lot of his life. So he life, could have gotten a lot more when he was younger. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Now, again, everything goes down, but uh, including salaries and stuff. But, like, it was $160 an ounce in 75 when he's 15, oh, wow. for example. Okay, because I'm thinking that we're probably up at at least the tens of thousands. Oh, no, way too high. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm... I'm going to say... 7,500. Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to anchor. 7,501. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're both wrong. So he actually only winds up with 2,727 ounces. That feels oh, so man. low. You and I are so bad at math. I'm now, really, I can't this do math here. Now, yeah. let's be very clear. That's 170 pounds of gold. That's a person. <laughs> That's yeah. a person yeah. of gold. That's a person of gold. He gets sculpted himself. It has to be a little hollow. So, yeah. This is like a stout Not 7,500, but, like, let's let's be clear. Yeah. So, what does that mean? What is his net worth? Other than he can, math? like, build an effigy of himself. $3,859,000 
$3,857,083. So $3,859,537.83. In just the gold that he has? In just the gold. So that doesn't include any of his cabins or anything like that, but that's just Because he gold. does own property. Right. Yeah. So, here's the deal. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Especially for a man who's only 53, right? Yeah. But I'm a little disappointed. Right? It's not as high as I would I have thought. I feel like they, like, reacted... Like, holy shit. That's a lot of gold. Like, I know a lot of guys who look like Ron Swanson from growing up. (laughs) And if they handed me a piece of paper and it said $3 million on it, I'd I'd guffaw. Well, yeah, I mean, when you do think about him spending like $40 on clothing for five years, that number is pretty high. Well, but it also makes me feel like he probably could have done better if he had invested the money instead of just buying gold. I didn't actually compare it. It might be close, though, just because, like, gold happened to spike pretty well for him. Okay. Like, it, it did well. Um, but I'd have to look at Your big maths. the S&P stuff to figure it out. But the thing I will say, though, um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Sorry. No, it's not <laughs> important, but, um, oh, yeah, you would think, you know, $40 in clothes. That is how people get rich, though. Right. Yeah. Right? Like, at the end of the That's day... That's how Warren Buffett does it, right? When he you think about... Well, he doesn't... He doesn't need to do that anymore. He doesn't. But like, he still do. But when you think about money, right? Like, if you want to fill a bucket, there's two pieces that have to happen. You have to pour water into it. And that's what most people think about, right? The only way to fill up this bucket, the only way to get rich is to pour a lot of water into it. Mm-hmm. Well, you also have to keep it from leaking. And that's what people don't think about. And so they're like, oh, I want to make more and more and more and more money. One of the lowest percentage of millionaires in the U.S. is doctors. Oh. Because they make a shit ton of money, but they all have to live in the nice neighborhood, put their kid through college, buy the Mercedes, because that's what's expected of them. And then now they're student loans in a way they didn't used to be. So, like, if you ever read The Millionaire Next Door, and if you're a finance geek, I suggest it. It's all about how basically most people who are super rich buy old cards and live in a moderately priced neighborhood and do all this stuff because they make more than most people and they don't piss it away. That's the goal, right? Anywho. No, that's a good... I think that's a good tip. I mean, I know that our whole thing is, like, fake advice. Fake fake money, fake advice. But, like, that's legit <laughs> good advice for that's real like life. That's, like, the simplest piece of advice that you can give without, without. threat of being sued. <laughs> yeah, it is it's simple, like, but at the end of the day... <laughs> but people yeah, forget about it, The way to really right. get rich, don't spend all your money. doesn't matter if you make 10 grand or 10 million. If you spend more than you make, you're poor. But that's something that people, I think, don't think about when you talk about, like, very wealthy people. It's like, you think that they live like, these lavish lifestyles, and I think there are a lot of people who are probably either living, like, kind of paycheck to paycheck, they're just very large paychecks, yep. or they're in debt and you don't see it, well, that, that's like, why do that, like, lavish lifestyle. Rihanna, I think it was Rihanna, just got sued for $300,000 of credit card debt. Dang! Ooh, and that's why half the NFL players are poor, like, three years out of You got that, like, lifestyle, lifestyle you're supposed to keep up. Right, so if you spend money. all your money, right, like, it doesn't matter how much you make. At the end of the day. So, but if you're a public servant and you spend $40 on clothes in five years. Yeah, you can still be rich. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's one of those things of, like, most people think about how much they make and they want to catch up to people who make more. If you spend half the amount of time thinking about what you spend it on and keeping that in control, you can make yourself rich. You really That's can. That's but true. Anywho. So, one of the things that they say when he tells them how much money he's making is, holy shit, your kids would never have to work again. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to figure out how much would his kids get? 
Yeah. Never wanted to work again. This that seems like a high, like a low number for your kids will never have to work again. Really depends on what you spend between. So that's the thing. I assume he spends nothing then and when he dies. Right? right? Like if he works the rest of his just life like and it actually would go up. But yeah, if he drained it during retirement, he wouldn't be able to do this. But let's say he died tomorrow. Um, well, R.I.P. Ron Swanson. Yeah. Four years ago. <laughs> yeah, actually, <laughs> that's tomorrow in 2013. It's old news, Liz. Um, <laughs> no, which we do not want. But he would leave behind this, you know, $3.8 million, $3.85 million. So let's assume you wanted that to keep on going for 90 years because these kids are pretty young, right? So, mm-hmm. and let's assume you get 6% on your investments. So let's assume they take it out of gold and put it in the market and get about 6%. Compounds, you know, annually, or uh, sorry, uh, monthly. You're going to get about $19,000 a month. Split amongst, a no, split amongst three kids Still. is $6,500 a month. But that's, that's 77 grand a year. That's enough to yeah. live on? So like... Ben say, says it in a way that implies like they'd be uber rich for the rest of their life, and they wouldn't be. But he's right. They don't have but to work. if they were living the Ron Swanson way, they'd be Oh, that's also true. Bought. Yeah. He, oh, and yeah. especially, they're living in, you know, Pawnee, Indiana, which, no offense to Pawnee, Indiana, but living place? in Chicago, like, no, no it's not. <laughs> but living in Chicago, right, like, 77000 goes a long way, but not the way it goes in right. Pawnee, Indiana, yeah. too, right? right? Man... I'd be fine. Well, and also, you divvied that over 90 years, but, like, he has a wife. She provides for them for the first 20, right. like 20 yeah, years yeah, yeah, of yeah. being unaltered, like, just pure growth. Right, yeah. Right. So right. it's just growth, no withdrawals for 20 years, and then you assume because they're then 20 at that point or whatever, 18 maybe when they get it, they don't live another 90 years. They only live another 80, right? Like, that number probably goes up. Sure. Yeah. Like, but, get to the point where, like, that is this perpetual growth. Like, right. Yeah. Great. But here's what I will say. Props to the screenwriters, because he says he winds up giving 5% to each kid, because he wants them to do okay, but still have to work. Okay. That's what he eventually says. He's like, I want them to not be lazy. I want them to work. 5% a kid works out to about 200 grand a kid, 190 which is a good start. Yeah, but it's about a, it's a thousand dollars per month. So it's about it's eleven thousand six hundred per year per kid. And props to the screenwriters, because that math kinda works out, right? Like you can't live on probably eleven thousand. Certainly not today. It covers a good amount of your expenses. But that's though. what I'm saying. Yeah. Where it yeah. like gives them the freedom to do whatever they want to do. Like you can take a low paying job, you can take a charity work, you can travel every now and then, but like you still have to do something. But you can't, yeah. yeah, but yeah, you can take the risk to be an entrepreneur, but you can't just sit there, you know, and do nothing, right? right. You can't be lazy. You yeah. do have to somehow work. Or if you don't want to, you have to learn to be incredibly frugal, right? Just like we just talked about. You don't have to make a which lot of money. would also be a goal. Of his, which so, is fine. Yeah. You don't have to make a lot of money. You just have to learn to live really simply. Um, Aww. That's kind of nice. That's like yeah, a perfect Ron Swanson. What a lovely, like... For a show that has... Not only an accountant as like a primary character, but also a number of subplots that with a whole slew of accountants. Yeah, like I'm not really that surprised, honestly. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in all of TV is in this series where they go to have triplets because I so. If there's one character in TV I identify with, it's probably Ben. I get that. That I'm makes a lot a of sense. Total Same. numbers nerd. Yeah. I'm a total Star Wars and Game of Thrones and like all that nerd. 
and like I do the spreadsheets in my real life about my life, whatever. And so he does the spreadsheet of how much his kid is going to cost him, which I will probably do at some point. <laughs> okay. Honestly, surprised you haven't started. Yeah, say. well, there you go. But um, <laughs> but then they talk, about, <laughs> they talk about they talk about having triplets, and he goes, "I made the spreadsheet for one kid, and then I put in for three, and you know what happened? The numbers got a lot higher." <laughs> and like, I love that because that's how like my brain would break down of like, "There's a number here," but the point is, ah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. And then last thing, for what it's worth, I wanted to get, like, the reaction of, like, okay, it's super crazy. So I figured out if he wanted to give, I think, 120k to each kid, he'd need about 6 million. Okay. So we got a little under two-thirds of the way there. Okay. So, like... It's pretty solid. He's pretty close to being that, like... So if my math is off a little bit on how much he saves or whatever, it's conceivable he got... To, like, holy shit money for Do you think kid. that he has a life yeah. insurance policy? He shouldn't. Yeah. So the way life insurance works, right, Go is... On. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You need life insurance to pay your debts, to pay off your mortgage, to let your kids, you know, uh, get education when you die. Um, you know, they're both working. Him and his wife are working. So to pay for daycare, because, right. like, even if he wasn't working, even if there's a stay-at-home parent, right... When one dies, you now have the cost of daycare. So, like, it's to pay that sort of stuff. So you only need life insurance until you have so much money that if you died, everybody would be cool. Okay. If yeah. he had $4 million... Like, in, in, like, finance terms, not in, like, emotional terms, that would still probably ruin them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But what I'm saying is, like, ideally, you have life insurance from when you're, like, 20 and need it because you're maybe older, but you get the idea. You, like, you own property, you're married, you have kids, whatever. Until you're, like, in your 50s or 60s when your retirement portfolio is solid enough that if you died, your spouse could comfortably retire, could pay off your house, or maybe your house is already paid off, your kids are through college, if that's something you're worried about, whatever, 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 right? So if he has $4 million and he dies, He's no dead. one's going hungry, right? Yeah. Right? You don't need life insurance. There's certain benefits and maybe estate tax planning. Like, well, I was going to say, and, and maybe reasons. his job would just provide that. His like, job might provide some, and there are estate planning benefits if you have very, very high assets and you're trying to replace estate tax things and, like, some diversification aspects. So there's, like, reasons he might need it, but for the most part, he doesn't need life insurance at this part. All the major bills are going to get paid, even if he dies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I feel like that was not a funny note to end on. But he doesn't need life insurance for what it's worth. Let's hope we all get to the point where we Mm -hmm. don't need life insurance. Uh, Any more thoughts about this? I feel like you were on a point when I derailed you for life insurance. Oh, no, I don't think I was. I just, like I said, I feel like I was math heavy. I was going to ask you about, um, you said that uh, he wanted to give, if you wanted to give them 120000 Yeah. Like, you were also kind of breaking the math at, if he dies at 53. Right, you know? yeah. This is a pretty healthy man who, albeit, eats a gross breakfast. He does. Quite often. But, but Anne Perkins at one live. point says he has, I think it's the best cholesterol she's ever seen. Yeah. Because <laughs> she just goes like, which is just astonishing. <laughs> but okay. Um, but yeah, so that's 53, right? And 
Now, you might assume going forward he doesn't save as much because he now has three kids when he marries Diane. She ha- they have one together and he inherits the two girls. But she's still got an income too, so... Right, yeah. but I'm just saying, so maybe his savings goes up, down, whatever. But the point is, yes, if he works till 65, they're covered. And if he works forever or they don't spend much in retirement, right, like... And I didn't even look into, because this happens before he... Did, I don't know what a park ranger makes, which is his final job. Yeah. And, like, that flash forward. Oh. That may make more or less. I have no idea. I didn't bother to do the math because it's after he meets the lawyer. But my grandfather volunteered as like a boat attendant at a, a the dam that you could go to, and so I feel like what two k a year, two hundred thousand a year. Well, volunteers are volunteer position. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think that was volunteer that position he takes. But yeah, I mean, it, it may very well be less. I don't know. But the point is, like, that's the other nice thing about having money, right? Is you can. Take you can do that. What yeah. a lot of financial advisors call an encore career, encore which is something like to keep your mind active and you enjoy doing, but you don't actually have to do it for the money, right? Right. That's the goal too. Dang, Ron Swanson living the dream. You know, there you go. Admittedly, he was working in a sheet metal factory at nine. Yeah, but like that so was his shit. He kind of came on the front instead of <laughs> he the just back. Liked that but... sort of thing, though. That was like his bread and butter, anyway. That was a good one. I feel like that's a good place yeah. to start. You were worried about the math, but I think that's like that's why we're doing this. Yeah. It's like figuring out. Well, there you go. Yeah, there's they, the math. They, they laid it out there, and you're like, okay, this Here's holds the picture. up. Right. Okay. Yeah. And like J.K. I said, Rowling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get on the Parks and Rec level. <laughs> um, uh, so that was Make Believe Money. I'm Liz. I'm Damon. I'm Dan. Uh, thanks again to our composer, Charles E. Miller, for our fabulous theme song. Um, email us at makebelievemoneypodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on iTunes and give us a rating because that helps other people find our podcast. Correction. Give us a good rating or oh, don't give us do a rating. Whatever. That's fine. Tell us your honest feelings. We want to hear about it. But, you know, fight. <laughs> I will take this away from you. <laughs> Dan will take it away. Um, and I think that's all we've got for you. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Diversifying more than gold. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>